0: This episode was recorded on June 3rd, 2022. Welcome back to the Bill Bradley Collective, where today, this is a bonus dollop style episode, where you're hearing this post-record, way post-record, whether it's a month, two, three, four months, whatever. What we're going to talk about today is evergreen. What I'm going to talk about is evergreen. And, you know, we talk a lot about uh, how we come from the intersection of sports and politics, and sometimes, you know, the cul-de-sac of this, the runabout of this. Today's show is kind of what I I would like to call a four-way stop of the city of Dallas, the pre-modern convention of the quote-unquote big three, popular R&B in the early to mid-90s, and, uh, you know, Entertainment Weekly, or not Entertainment Weekly? Entertainment Tonight, Access Hollywood, Extra—do those shows still exist?
1: Mario Lopez is still alive, so I'm guessing I'm they guessing do. i they
0: are. <laughs> so we were at
1: that four-way. We're at that four-way it's a right way to now, judge. Yeah, and everybody stopped. <laughs> Mario Lopez. Came. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna bring it from there. Sports culture in the city of Dallas in the late '80s. I mean, Dallas is the home of America's team. One of the dominant. When the NFL came to its prominence in the late '60s and like early to mid '70s post-merger, uh, Dallas is one of the many faces of NFL expansion and if the NFL takeover of the American media in a lot of ways. Um, under one, Tom Landry, and and Gilbrant, and Gilbrant, his chief scout, general manager, um, like countless Hall of Famers on both sides of the ball come through the Cowboys uh, throughout the '60s, '70s. Two Super Bowl wins, a bit overshadowed. Uh, you know, Tom Landry, the patriarch. Was a Lombardi assistant. Lombardi kind of overshadows him in the 60s with the one. Uh, what's the team's name? Lombardi coached? I think he, I think it was <laughs> the Packers. Packers. The Packers, Packers, Packers yeah. who win the first two Super Bowls and three other NFL championships, pre-Super Bowl. You know, the 70s, you have uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, uh, you know, the famous arch nemesis of the Cowboys that win four. You have the undefeated Dolphins that win that one. They win another one. Um, but the Cowboys are a huge piece of this. Huge piece of the NFL pie throughout the 70s and 80s. And then by about the mid 80s it kind of goes to shit, and there's not a lot going on in dallas in the 80s as far as like a sports culture you have and ed you might you know frown at this brandon and zach you might love it but i mean one of the top sports draws in the state in dallas namely is the wccw world-class championship wrestling headed up by fritz von Erich. um Running out of the sportatorium, running of the, out of, of the the running famous,
2: out of, of of the famous von Eric, the patriarch, but, David yeah. and Kevin but, and Kerry, yeah. You, you know it's on the level when they're when Fritz von Eric is running away. Re, real name, <laughs>
0: real name <laughs> Fritz von Atkinson. Yes, the, but the von, von
2: Eric was the Americanized name. The von Erics are. It is an historical wrestling they're, family, they're a, a tragic one, a tragic wrestling family, on par with the Hearts, if you follow for sure. wrestling,
0: for sure. Uh, very equivalent in a lot of ways. The Canadian Hearts, the Texas uh, Von Eriks. But, but you have that attraction in Dallas selling out. Again, the local sportatorium and the the, the large arena, the arena in Dallas that attracts <coughs> concert acts and circuses and shit, Reunion Arena, which also in the 80s, in the early 80s, is the first home to the expansion Dallas Mavericks, the second uh, major sports team to come to Dallas, minus the Cowboys in the 80s. And, you know, well, the, the Rangers are in Fort Worth. True.
1: true and they they have Nolan Ryan they
0: are they are brought from what they're the the former
1: washington the, the um, washington senators they they moved to okay. texas
0: yep they don't have a playoff appearance in, until 1996
1: first coach of the texas uh rangers jimmy williams whitey herzog whitey george, george bush, bush. No. george bush well but george george w bush <laughs> yeah. buys the team with yeah. with um, money that his daddy gave him and then uh, uh, Nolan Ryan goes there, and they start start selling a lot of seats because uh, Ryan threw, like, four no-hitters in that stretch.
0: So we'll flash forward a little bit here because you have Dallas. The Mavericks come in in 80 as an expansion team. You have the incumbent Cowboys. And I'm kind of just going to ignore the Rangers because they're not very good in the 80s at all. They're not really good until, like I said, 96, when they have a bunch of guys taking steroids and Pudge Rodriguez and – like they get their ass kicked Juan by the Yankees in the playoffs. So oh, much Rafael Palmero. Palmero Gonzalez Juan Gonzalez. Juan Gonzalez. Juan Gonzalez, who is the worst two time MVP winner in this history of baseball. Ruben Sierra. Not close. Ruben Sierra, for sure. I, I, Again, I they're actually, an afterthought, though. So they're not they're not neither here nor there. Can I tell you Ruben Sierra,
1: me. story? I hope it's quick. I taught a student who used to spend the summers in Puerto Rico because her cousin was married to Ruben Sierra. Mm-hmm and she said he was treated like a child they had child locks on things they had covers on the on the outlets because he was basically a 30 year old 6 year old and she said she liked him but he was kind of nuts and um I mean, and that led me to to do a deep dive. This is, you know, basically early internet, so it took, it, it took me a while while I was getting the dial-up. And it's like, there's a million stories about how Ruben Sierra is basically a six-year-old child in a man's body. I guess my relationship to Ruben Sierra is that he kind of bookends
0: the Yankee dynasty on teams that never won a World Series. He's there in 95, and he's there in like 04 when he loses to the Red Sox, famously. But he's right. never there in 96, 98, 2000, like those teams. Um, anyway... Thank you for that. Was good. Ruben Sierra.
2: I'll do. Yeah. That, was the most, yeah. that was the most dismissive. That was not meant to be dismissive. I just it has no relation to what I'm. Yeah. trying to, Thanks for <laughs> thanks for the story, you ass. Well, that's not me saying that. that. That's saying.
1: I've been waiting to tell that story for 25 fucking years, and, I, and no one's okay. mentioned Ruben okay. Sierra to me.
0: Well, you actually mentioned Ruben Sierra. I mentioned the Rangers.
1: And oh the yeah, Rams but Sierra, yeah. That's so true.
0: True. Let's be here. <laughs> You, you uh, acknowledge okay. Ruben Sierra existed. So okay, let's go be, Let's go to her, 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 so here we are. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about wrestling. So what the fuck? What's my credibility? Um, wrestling, wrestling in Dallas is essentially dead by the late '80s. By the late '80s, also, the Dallas Mavericks have kind of like did a weird expansion thing in the '80s. And again, this is a league with like 22, 24 teams. Where like 16 make the playoffs. It's not hard to. It's not hard to make the playoffs now. It was easier back then somehow, and they did it. The Maverick, the Dallas Mavericks were a somewhat you know respectable. Made multiple Western Conference Finals in the '80s. The likes of Rolando Blockman, Mark Aguirre, um, later years, Derek Harper, who we'll come back to. Um, but it's the Dallas Cowboys that we're going to start with. That's, that's kind of the jumping off point here. Where the Cowboys, they bought them out really in 88, the last year that the legendary Tom Landry coaches the team. I think it was 3-13. And, 13. and uh, new owner, Jerry Jones, who we all know Jerry Jones, right? We're well, familiar. familiar of the, with Jerry is he Jones. kind of a friend of the pod? We talk about him a bit. He's a friend of the pod. Yeah. Takes over the team. So a, this is his son. Steven. Stephan, Ph. Stephen, do, do you trust Ph. Stevens? Uh, no, my, my, no. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Here Ste- we go. set us back. More.
1: Stephen, Stephen Jones, the uh, vice president of player development and operations.
2: Yes. Yeah, which yeah. is right. Like, yeah. I don't trust Stevens with an F. I'll tell you that much. Oh fuck that, Stephens. Fuck them. Fuck those guys. No, no, the no, same no. France.
1: Oh, no, no, no. The same France. I will not, Stefan. I will not stand for Stefan shit, because that's the greatest Saturday Night Live character who's ever existed. What about existed. Stefan Urkel, the best Family Matters character of all time? Stephen Urkel's,
0: uh, you guys aren't Family Matters guys. Okay. I am. He was the cool guy. Uh, he, got, uh, he got all the ladies. That's right.
1: Anyway. I had to watch <laughs> some of those recently, and I, I wished for blindness and deafness. Helen Keller had it over me in those moments.
0: I'm questioning your taste right now. Oh, God theory. almighty. Anyway, we'll get back to that at the bar. <laughs> um, here we are. So so the Dallas Cowboys, they bought him out the last year Landry's there. And it's like Landry, his time's up because the whole throughout the mid 80s, honestly, post-White Clark, where the whole NFC turns, where it, it's a cowboy league, and then it's Montana to Clark in the end zone, one of the most famous plays in FLS3, and that launches the 49er dynasty of the 80s. And by 88. Landry's last year it's 3 and 13. And it's like as unceremoniously as Jerry Jones dismisses him, it's like you know, it's it's time. That wasn't it's, a good team. It, it's time for a change. And it was a bad team. And it was a team that Landry and his guys built. And it was a bad team and it was the team also the Herschel Walker trade comes that off season. Who do they hire? They hire one Jimmy Johnson from the University of Miami, coming off of a really dominant run, a 5-year run at Miami where he took what Stellenberger built. And Johnson took it to the next level. By the time Johnson leaves Miami, Miami is the eminent cultural program in the country. But he leaves to go take over this team. His old friend from the University of Arkansas, Jerry Jones, is the owner.
1: He's there. And Johnson had to prove he could work with a lower salary cap. So that was really important for him.
0: And guess what he did over the next five years? Because he's only only there for five years. He's there 89 to 93. What he does is he builds uh, one of the great modern dynasties in NFL football. And he does it on the back of what I mentioned in the intro of a big three and there's a lot more guys besides the so-called big three the so-called triplets as they were known at the time um, but Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin all taken successive years I actually think Irvin and Smith were taken in the same draft Aikman was first and then em- Emmett and Irvin in the next draft but that was that was the you get that qu- you have your quarterback you have your feature runner you have your dynamic wide receiver and they did all kinds of shit on the offensive line. Uh, Larry Allen, Nate Newton, defensively, guys they brought in. It was a team built through the draft, a team built through like the Herschel Walker trade. It was a team that was still built around a big three. And what the Cowboys did under Johnson in five years, from 89 to 93, one in 15 with a rookie eight-minute quarterback in Johnson's first year. They go to seven and nine, year two. 11 and five, year three. Bounced in the division round of the playoffs. Twelve and four. I'm sorry, thirteen and, three and 92 One of the great the, probably probably the greatest team in Cowboy history. That's the first year they destroyed the Bills in the Super Bowl. Yep. Next year, twelve and four, they run it back. They kill the Cowboys again. No, they kill the Bills again. Um they go back to back five years. Johnson's out. Johnson kinda loses a power struggle to Jones. Um Barry Switzer comes in and they 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 kind of run it back because the team that Johnson built is just so good, but it's the Steve Young Niners. And they lose in the NFC title game. They do win the Super Bowl with Switzer the next year. So that's, so that's Switzer
1: was barely aware he was coaching that team.
0: It was very bizarre. That team was so good. that team could have won with like any a, one of us at this table just a, there.
2: Every person we know that's a fan of the Cowboys that's a fan of the Cowboys is a fan of the Cowboys because of those three seasons. Like your For roommate sure. is a fan of the Cowboys because of those three seasons. When we were
0: growing up, when we were kids, like those were the jerseys you saw Troy Aikman. Yep. Emmett Emma Smith, Smith Michael, Michael Irving. Irving. That was the that was the team you watched on TV in the Everybody NFL. They,
1: well, they were on. They were on literally every week. Yeah, yeah they, You never missed them. They were on at four o'clock or in primetime. time. It's a or team? The Super Bowl. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's a legitimate dynasty. It's a team that was one game away because if that team wins in that third year, that NFC Championship game. That San Fran wins, they're going to beat play San Diego in the Super Bowl, and they're going to beat San Diego the way San Fran beat San Diego, I, and that's I, by like four touchdowns. I don't think they're I, going to
1: do that. I've ever rooted harder in my life, even for teams. No, that's not true because the Red Sox and the Yankees in in two thousand three, two thousand four. But other than that, I rooted so hard for the San Francisco team because I love Steve Young. Steve Young. Steve Young, for sure, from Connecticut, a terrific, like if. If Steve Young had modern coaching, he would be some combination of Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady. Like he he was the he just he had mediocre coaching. I mean, because Seifert's there by then, right?
0: Yes, Seifert's there. On Seifert's a- there a- by a- a- then. The, the, uh, yep. Because
1: the Walsh runs Seifert's Mont- there in like ninety. Walsh yeah. runs Montana out because he thinks Young's better. And He's you know, this is a guy who couldn't stick with teams. Because they said, well, he won't stay in the, cro- in the pocket. No, because he keeps picking up 31 yards on and scrambles. It's the, it's the 90 <laughs> NFC title game.
0: It's just right before the Cowboys come on. It's it's the, the Giants get, Giants-Niners Giants NFC title game. Niners are huge favorites going for a three-peat. Fourth quarter, the Joe Montana drop back, and Leonard Marshall, Giants, comes up and just – one of the most ferocious hits of all time. It changed Montana's c- career. It changed the trajectory of the Niners franchise, the whole NFC, really. Do um, you
1: remember this hit? Leonard Marshall just yep. – bodying yeah. joe montana and joe montana like, yeah it was walk. it was back right i mean yeah. i mean you, you couldn't today that would be a penalty it would be
0: it would leonard marshall would probably get suspended for a year but right? it, it's yeah.
1: but realistically it was, it was totally clean it was blindside but it was clean no head i mean he just drove him into the ground blindside? like i, I never From behind i never know what athlete what what defensive ends are supposed to do with their bodies like what are you supposed to do what? if you if you don't wrap him up he's, he might get away and if you do wrap him up it's a penalty The big three, and again,
0: Aikman's, and I guess Aikman, Aikman is one of the first guys, and it's right before Young, Aikman's the first guy to go because of concussions. You know, Aikman's the first, I think Aikman's the first real quarterback that is publicly a casualty of concussions. And I'm not saying that this sort of dynasty ends too early, but they have a dynasty. This is a big three. This is something they win three Super Bowls in four years. And perhaps it ends earlier than it should have. Perhaps if Johnson stays, they win more. I don't think there's any
1: question about that. That they do more? No, no. Johnson. Yeah, for sure. Jimmy Johnson famously said, Kevin Clark quotes this all the time, there are only six teams that really are trying to win the Super Bowl. Just be one of those six teams, you're going to win a lot of Super Bowls. And he was always trying to win the Super Bowl. And so he wasn't worried about, like, saving his job. He wanted to win the Super Bowl. And the day it became hard for him to save his job, he left. And we're going to transition
0: here. But you could say, fairly, that the end of this so-called dynasty, not so-called, this dynasty, it was there were professional interests, there were ego interests, but it all, it all kind of boiled down to, like, football. Football things and ego things, and, but just male things, if that's a spoiler. Let's talk about the Mavs for a little bit. The Mavs of the late 80s, early 90s. Under Coach John McLeod, you know, they make the playoffs in 1990. And again, this is a team, an expansion team of the early 80s that has some weird success with some aforementioned guys, like I mentioned, Rolando Blockman, Mark Aguirre, my guy, my fucking guy, a young Detlef Shrimp. They played the Lakers in some Western Conference Finals, and it's like, how the fuck is this team, like... And a weird downturn in
1: the NBA at the time. The NBA... As
0: we're transitioning to the Pistons, bad boys. And And, and, and
1: you're also in the height of the... Everybody's doing cocaine, and, and guys are washing out of the league yeah. all the 86 time. Eighty-six
0: Rockets, and John Lucas. And yeah, yeah, I mean, you sure. know, and, and oh, oh, Len Bias. Len guys. Bias. Absolutely. There's a million guys. We're, we're Tar- losing uh, guys. Uh, Ray
1: Tarp. Roy Tarpen. Ray Tarpen. Roy Tarpen. Tarpen. Yep, you got it. Yep.
0: And we're getting into a place where the Mavs, the Mavs, almost like the Cowboys, two years before. So by ninety-one, ninety-two, the Mavs have bottomed out. They had this this really upstart success in the eighties. But now show's over. Like Dick Motta, their first coach is gone. John McCloud's gone, and here they are going into the ninety-two, ninety-three season with a lottery pick and a new coach, Quinn Buckner, Dip, fresh Dick, off the MB, NBA and NBC stage. Dick Motta was their first coach. Dick Mata was the first coach, and, and he.
1: Do you remember where he came from? Dick Mata. He coached. He coached He's the really Nor, f- Norm Van Leer, Jerry Sloan, Chicago Bulls, Chet Walker, Bob Love, Tom Barwinkle. Your favorite team of all time. Oh. Best Best defensive team ever.
0: The Mavs are quite bad, 91-92. But, you know, here we go. We have a a high pick. This is a deep class in 92. Mavs end up with the fourth pick, and they take one first-team All-American, Jim Jackson, Jimmy Jackson. Jim Jackson, an extra in the immortal Blue Chips, one of those players that's on the court um, in those those scenes that we talked about on this podcast, how, like, the realism of those basketball scenes in the movie are so good. Jim Jackson's a part of it. Jim Jackson's a first-team All-American out of Ohio State. A prodigious scorer. Not much of a shooter. Shooting's not a premium at the time for a guy that's like a wing, a 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, type. But he's a really much valued NBA prospect. And he comes in to that 92 season. Now we're talking 92, 93. First-year coach, Quinn Buckner. Let's go. we got to wait our guy. we still got Derek Harper. Derek Harper's here. Let's go. <sighs> 11 and 71. The 92, 93 Mavs. 11 wins, 71 losses. Not great. Really bad. Um... Yeah, Quinn Buckner and Jim Jackson, Jackson says later, are getting into fistfights somewhat routinely in the in the locker room. Just bad. Just a really bad team. In this research for this, I'm looking at their basketball reference page, and I'm like, oh, shit. Look at the roster, and I'm like, I don't know like any of these guys. I know Derek Harper. I know Jim Jackson. Just a bunch of floats him after that. Does Quinn Buckner survive that year? No. He's feuding with his star rookie, um, and he wants to go back to TV. I don't blame him after that. So let's go to the 93 draft where, again, our Mavs are – we're picking high again. And we're going to pick a guy out of, you know, the Unforgettables. The, 90, the 92 – remember the 92 Kentucky team that loses to Leitner? That's a great team. 93, they run it back. and Their best player is one, Jamal Mashburn, um, who goes on to have a very fruitful NBA career. And he is a top five pick of the Dallas Mavericks that year. And, you know, the Mavs – here we go. We got two pieces. We got Jim Jackson. Got Jamal Mashburn and uh, we got a new coach and uh yeah, we suck again. <laughs> We're terrible. they're terrible. and there is some consternation between Mashburn and Jackson. there is some there's you know uh Mashburn is a ball dominant big man. Jackson's a ball dominant wing. there's no there's no point guard there's no facilitator on that team. there's no guy to kind of make this right and they, it, it never works between these two. And again, they're just as bad. I believe they win 17 games that year. It's ugly shit. Okay. They pick high again in 94. And here's where, in the minds of a lot of people in Dallas, we're gonna complete a we're gonna we have we have two pieces here. We have Jim Jackson, we have Joel Mashburn. We need that facilitator, we need that point guard, that third guy. And we're gonna take Jason Kidd, University of California. That's gonna be that's it. That's the missing link. We have the big three, the three J's as was all over local Dallas TV, they were in fucking national spots for sneaker companies, the three J's. So they take Jason Kidd, and now you have Jason Kidd and Jackson and Mashburn. Yeah, not great. Not great. They, uh, I forget who they hired. They had hired a coach that they, that they let go of, and midway through the year, they bring back one Dick Mata. Again, the, the original, <laughs> the, uh, the franchise's original coach. That that is a retread pick. That that is yeah, that is
1: like Marty Schottenheimer have, level bullshit.
0: It's like we have these three guys that are like 21, 22, 23. Like this is the future. We've devo- we've devoted so much advertising and so much we're selling season tickets on this big 3. The 3 J's, Again, they have a presence in like they in, their, in the and the maths are like selling tickets. They're actually marketing the team right. But the team sucks and guess what? These three guys do not do not get along behind the scenes at all. Um there was some thought that Kidd as the true point guard that he would become later on as, you know, a great facilitator, a great assist man. It's not working. And him and Jackson really clash. 94-95 uh, is a disaster. 95-96, another disaster. Egos. Young guys. Young, well-paid stars. In a pre-social media world. Listen. Three guys that love the nightlife. Three guys that love to go out and party. Three guys that are eligible bachelors. Well, again, pre-social media, you don't just you can't just like slide into somebody's DMs. A, a fellow celebrity, you got to like do a little work <clears throat> to get it. Jason Kidd does a little work, you know. Tony Michelle Braxton, born nineteen sixty seven, Atlanta, Georgia, a a very a huge r&b star with their sisters in the late 80s early 90s eventually the big r&b producers at the time kenneth babyface Edmonds, antonio la Reed, they run arista records that run a lot of like best-selling shit r&b shit that's coming out of the south that's that is at the top of the charts that's very big in the early to mid 90s they take uh tony braxton and they make her into this like she becomes, and not, they don't make her into the star but they put a lot of the resources behind her and she is the breakout star of the 1993 Grammy Awards. She's Best New Artist, Best R&B Album, this and that. She really, she becomes a star. In 1996, she she releases an album called Secrets. Secrets. A lot of hits on this album. There's a song called Unbreak My Heart. It's a famous video. If you're watching MTV at the time, it's her and that male model, Tyson Beckford. Yep. It's fucking yep. horny. It's steamy. It's like, it was all over and MTV in baby. It was, But it was a huge hit. She's a top charting artist and she's a big deal. And guess what? As talented as she is, she's fucking beautiful. She's gorgeous. And what young NBA player, young man, let alone, you know, but one with status, one with some money, one with some way to get access to Ms. Braxton's personal contact. I want to get in touch with her. Hey, Jason Kidd, Jim Jackson. The story goes that in late 1996. Uh, while well, on a road trip in Atlanta, that one Jason kid uh, had gotten through to Tony Braxton's people. And I said, hey, I, I'd, while we're in town, like I'd love to go out with Tony. I'd love to, if I could get a line to where, just like... And again, this isn't this social media. We can't just uh, tweet at somebody and be like, hey, want a date? Want to go out? Want to grab a bite? Want to, uh, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. A limo, reportedly, allegedly, is... Um, sent to uh so a limo with braxton in it is sent to the mavs team hotel where kid's staying and kid comes to the limo and allegedly supposedly as the story goes kid opens the door to the limo and inside the limo is one tony braxton and one jim jackson that jim jackson you know did a little you could say maybe kind of metaphorically big dick jason kid a little bit that he uh you know jumped the line, said, yeah, you wanted to meet with Tony? I'm gonna, I beat you to it. I won the race to, you know, her courtship, if you will. Next thing you know, they're all gone. They're all gone. This is four years into this dysfunctional big three that is never gonna work, but right after this supposed incident, and you have Tony Braxton going on Dallas airwaves when her, when her tour comes to Dallas, going on a radio station. And she's asked about this Jackson Kid thing that kind of makes like a weird page six kind of thing. And she just kind of cryptically says, like, I don't kiss and tell. You know, my album's called Secrets. I don't kiss and tell. Well, next thing you know, kids in Phoenix, Mashburn's in Miami jackson is somewhere with like three other people jackson plays like 10 teams over the next 10 years he's done some would say the ryan fitzpatrick of
1: uh <laughs> well, some would say, some would say
0: jim, ja- jim jackson was a pretty good player he was pretty good
1: uh so not the ryan fitzpatrick of course w- w- would, you, no. would, would you like to guess the three players drafted before jimmy jackson
0: 92 yeah i can
1: do it um Shaq. yep
0: leitner and um, you
1: missed you, the one between them.
0: Number two. Uh, I don't know for the Another of center. Another center. Sean Sean Bradley?
1: No, Alonzo Morning. <laughs> Pretty good. So yeah, so so Pretty he good. He yeah. uh he, he was not one, uh, equal to them.
0: He was not, but he was also taken. He wasn't taken ahead of them. He was taken
1: before. No, he was you know. taken ahead of Latrell well. Uh He well, was taken, he never never choked a coach. Uh, <laughs> he might have cucked. He might have cucked a teammate, but he didn't yeah. uh, choke a coach. <laughs> Draft, that yeah. is, that is all's fair. Yeah, he was drafted ahead of uh, Doug Christie, Malik Sealy. It wasn't a good pick. Robert Horry, big game Bob. Big game Rob. But but, t- crazy, but Jackson, you know what? Uh, I mean, I, 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 guess, I guess Jackson had some big game. I mean, he, he got in the... He was he a
0: 20-point-per-game got... score. And he had some, yeah, he allegedly was in the limo. And here's where it gets complicated. This is how the story goes. That it is one R&B superstar, Tony Braxton, that dissolves, that breaks up, that fissures... The uh, mid nineties Mavericks, and at the time it was all over again. It was like a story. It was a thing. It was on. Uh, it was a page six. It was an entertainment tonight type of like you know, front pa- page of the Inquirer the, the, every the, week. The, the, the love triangle between Jim Jackson, Jason Kidd, and Tony Braxton. And to hear any of them talk about it today or in the last five years, it is a complete falsehood. It is a complete just. It's totally fictional. Um. Jamal, Bat- they've all gone on the record. Joel Mashman recently, in the last, you know, he said like, he said, yeah, Tony Braxton was responsible for the for the for the destruction of my relationship with Jimmy and Jason, but it was almost because of the their egos. They didn't like each other to begin with, and once the media puts a puts a beautiful woman, a, a huge star, in the middle of an already fractured relationship, that's going to do so much more damage to it. I want to kind of bring this kind of all together here in that i keep alluding to the idea that this whole thing happens like pre-social media but it's the idea that this didn't happen it wasn't real it was reported on it was just and that and how much do we live on the social media where there's so much shit reported that isn't actually real and this was something that wasn't real 25 years ago that caused so much consternation that caused so much Distress where it was it just came out of the fact that Jackson and Kidd didn't like each other that Mavericks coaching was inept 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 that until Don Nelson one Don Nelson shows up and trades all these guys away it eventually drafts Steve Nash eventually drafts Dirk Nowitzki eventually drafts again It's a purely basketball issue in the in the moment that became an entertainment weekly issue, like a back page entertainment weekly issue.
1: So Jason Kidd, I remember when he was drafted and the concerns about him were that that he had character issues. Mm -hmm. We still have those concerns. I mean, he has had...
2: He tripped, he tripped a guy on the sideline. Well, he, he had a demonstrably uh, abusive relationship with his, with his wife. Wife that right. became
0: very sort of performative on national TV during the finals in like '02, or his right. wife, who he's, was yeah, and his kid that looked just like him had a mustache. He's like three years old, and he's got like a fucking five o'clock shit. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah.
1: You know he, he no, he's so kid had <clears throat> kid is, I mean, he obviously did a good job with the Mavs this year, and he seems to have tried to turn his life around, but he was viewed as having some character issues at the time um you know Mashburn also had some questions coming out of Kentucky but he was a good NBA player for he a long a time NBA player. Yeah. yeah I mean you know he was he was he could be the third best player on your team and you'd be a good team if he's the third best player you're a good team if he's the second best player you're Sweet, a bad
0: 95 team. and 05 yeah for right. sure
1: you know and so yeah, I mean, I don't remember this story. It's the kind of thing that you know. I was given my life at the time. I was raising three children. I would, and I didn't follow much NBA actually because my son had started playing hockey. We followed hockey, so I just like I, I missed a I missed about a decade of NBA basketball. But Dick, I mean, t- the idea that Dick Motta in in, in nineteen ninety what year were we talking about ninety? When did he come back? It was the uh, 90, 90, he, 90 he he's there ninety94 94. Ninety four, the last year of the record. limo
0: is in ninety six, though. Yes, the limo. Yeah, but in, in ninety four,
1: but in ninety four, you yeah. are blowing the dust off the guy. Like yeah. his coaching Corpse career is Mata. basically yeah. over in seventy eight. This is not the same thing. Jerry Sloan's coaching the Jazz by then, right? Jazz. He, oh, Jerry Sloan was at the Jazz. Yeah, before that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane that they. Why don't we try this? This is before Cuban buys the team. Yes, it is.
0: You know, you know who is buying the team at this point too. I am glad you went there. The son of one, H. Ross Perot. Oh, I forgot that. Is attempting, who actually does buy the team. Yeah, I forgot in the that. Mid-90s. Yep, you're right. And, uh, yeah, So he's kind of in the mix Cause, of all cause he, of
1: this. Because these fail sons are always fantastic at yeah. everything.
0: This is right around where dad, dad's running for president. Yep. Let's, let's buy an NBA team. Let's do it, you know? Look, this is a story about how... It's like the fallacy of like the big three, how we know it today. The big three wasn't really a thing until what twenty ten, when you get Wade and Bosh and LeBron together in Miami. When was the big three really talked about until? Is that that's before? That's twenty ten.
1: That's before Garnett. Allen, and Pierce? I guess that's 08, so it's after. Yeah, it's after.
2: Yeah. Jordan and was Rodman?
0: A, well, I suppose... Were they not called the big three? They well, yeah, were well, not called
2: the, the big it's three. It's the they, idea of trying Rodman to... and Jordan were never going to go the big the three. The idea of no, trying No, because... To... Because, because, Jordan... <laughs> because Jordan was 90%. <laughs> well, because, because
1: yeah, it was a big two. Like, Rodman was Rodman was fine. The idea, that Rodman, the idea that Rodman's in the Hall of Fame is is the most NBA thing ever. Everybody wants
0: to build a big three in the NBA now. Everybody wants to do it. Well, and not, it's never going to be through the draft, I don't think. Unless, you're the, unless you think Memphis is doing it right now. Well, uh, well, yeah. It's, really, it's uh, well, really tough to
1: do. To do it extendedly. No, you know, Gold, Golden State drafted all three guys. They're in the NBA Finals right now.
0: And guess what? You're hearing this after the fact. They are toast against Boston. They're done. Toast.
1: They will not win that series. They're I mean,
0: in the you, M- got it, you got it here. They're in the
1: NBA Finals. And yes, they are. And uh, so we'll see. Delta 5.
0: Celtics and six, but I like your
1: energy I'm in
0: I'm in the Celtics. look the point is this that so sometimes I want to ask you this though yeah do you, do you so it, you clearly believe it didn't happen uh, from the story that you're telling it this didn't happen I, be, I, I don't believe that Jason Kidd went down to the limo, opened the door and Jim Jackson was in there right I do believe that prob I, I, I find it very realistic Jim Jackson, considering the animosity between he and Jason Kidd, that he was probably trying to make the same overtures to Tony Braxton. So, so but I don't think the story goes that Kid opens the limo door and, the limo, and there's Braxton the limo and there's Jim Jackson. The limo part, but Braxton would have well, had to have, which like, is that's kind of like the money shot of well, like, well, like you mentioned, like uh, the the link to social media and things yeah. like that. It made
2: me think, like, is this like one of those first times that like the intersection of like celebrity and their personal life and how people eat that eat that up on social media right. and all stuff. Well, I mean, you
1: had quite a bit. In the it's, in the NBA at that time, because there was just a lot of shit going on all the time. Uh, it wasn't a good time for the NBA. But but I, Brown, the reason I the reason I believe it didn't happen oh, is because that. Jason Kidd was so much publicity. Jason that, Kidd was yeah. so much better in the first year, in every year uh, coming out of college. I remember Jackson with Ohio State. Jason Kidd was a different level of player. For sure and His, so Jackson's game Bra- didn't translate to the NBA right I mean it, it I mean you can score twenty points a game if you're willing to take enough shots. that's not a trick um but uh no I mean if Braxton had a brain in her head, she would have known <laughs> you know hey out, out buddy uh Jason Kidd's showing up um unless unless she just knew something about him and she didn't want to get beaten up because Kidd is you know I and mean, kidd has a history of abuse and sexual allegations against him he, he was not a good guy for no. much of his life no he wasn't
2: um maybe he is now and god bless him but he wasn't for a bunch of his life the idea no no, no. Uh, if we live in 2022 if you're not a good guy and you're committing sexual assaults and you're committing beating you're not a good guy it's you know do anatom- you don't know you do not get to have a second chance
1: it's the anatomy of a scandal i don't know if no, you no, watch it yeah, on netflix no, but no, it's no. like yeah if you get a second chance you're gonna do the exact same things you always did because you're uh an entitled prick
0: for every um, Sam Darnold, Zach, give me the number one receiver from the 2019 Jets. The number one running back, if you can remember them.
2: If you can, 2019 again. They're so forgettable. Bilal Powell. Bilal Powell was the number one. And running maybe back, a, uh, and, you know, what do you think? Jesus Christ, the receivers are so bad. Uh, <laughs> we didn't have a number one. one.
0: Look for every much bellyhood quarterback receiver running back option that any fan base wants to talk themselves into Aikman's Smith's Irvin's come around once that's a once in a lifetime sort of deal you know it's not a once maybe not once in a decade once in a not once in a lifetime that's that's a little hyperbole on my part once in a decade once in two decades for every you know you want to you want to think that we can do back-to-back back years we can go Durant Westbrook Harden you know, in the Mavs kind of did that before. They tried it before them. They tried to do it with Jackson and Mashburn and Jason Kidd. And I don't remember Beyonce breaking up the thunder.
1: Mm. No. By the way, <laughs> the number one receiver on the 2019 Jets was one Jamison Crowder.
0: And who was the number one running back? Powell. It was Powell. So for every Darnold Powell Crowder, for every 100... Darnold Crowder fouls. <laughs> <vowels. laughs> there is but one Irvin
1: Smith. It, uh, and Aikman, that, that and Dallas team had its had own a, issues with sexual misconduct. Michael Irvin. And, and, and yeah, yeah I mean, drugs. I mean, and the, drugs, and, the idea yeah. that Michael Irvin is, you know, I mean,
0: his was before more of a we drug get, issue.
1: Oh, no. Remember the rape house? They had a house off campus. Was that
0: him or was that Darren Woodson?
1: Well, there was. Or were they were both see, involved? It was they know. were all I mean, involved. And, um, the idea that, that I mean Irvin play. somehow skates through this as though it never happened, it's not quite the level of Ray Lewis leaving dead bodies behind and still being on television, but it's pretty close. Um that cowboy team was beyond un- Unlet? Yeah, was rough. Yeah. That was a rough team. Rough thing. But luckily they had the the hard fist on the wheel of uh, Switzer Barry Switzer, who I think they who was basically weekend at Bernie's.
0: I remember his Oklahoma teams, same fucking shit in the eighties with college kids. It was just uh, and remember, remember you know. the
1: the coach that just exposed Oklahoma and just destroyed them forever. Uh, Jimmy 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 Johnson, Jimmy Johnson the, because the, myth, the boss, the myth because, because, of the boss, right, Holloway, be, well, because, Holloway, well, Holloway because, Brian Bosworth, yeah, right. Because he 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 put a big big aggressive nose tackle on the center and just blew up every single play. And Switzer's adaptation, is uh, uh, you know, the way he adapted was he uh, started thinking about other things.
0: To wrap this up, the sporting culture of Dallas was a hell of a place in the early to mid nineties. And as much as we think that the cult of celebrity is kind of a recent social media creation, the cult of celebrity uh, was very real back then. It was very real in Dallas and it was Perhaps instrumental in breaking up uh, <laughs> the, the best, mediocre three. The mediocre that never was. Uh, the big the the three J's. Um, this is that was the story of the three J's and Tony Braxton and uh, Dallas Sports in the nineties. That was. This is the Bill Bradley collective.